0: Let's turn together to Mark chapter 6. As you do that, how about these guys? Huh? Yeah. A lot of talent in this place. And I uh, appreciate their efforts to prepare and uh, get us ready. Mark chapter 6. A while back I started a, a series through Mark. And um, then I got this phone call from this guy named Bruce. And uh, that kind of changed the sermon series for a little while. We need to get ready to come over here and merge together. And now that we've been together for a bit and we're into the semester, I like to just pick up uh, where I left off. And so if you were a previous Sherwood member and you want to podcast the first five chapters, you know, we have that there. We're going to jump right into chapter six and um, just kind of take off running. So most of this semester together, we're just going to go story by story. Uh, starting here in chapter six and just going one thing at a time to look at the life of Jesus, to look at what he has for us uh, in these stories. And so let let me read the text for this morning, starting in verse one. He went away from there and came to his hometown and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What's the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and his own household. And how could he... Uh, and he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them and he marvelled because of their unbelief and he went about among the villages teaching now this this is mark's version of a text in luke that i preached on uh, at easter and so this is the same the same story where he goes to his home synagogue and he unrolls the scroll and he reads from isaiah and says this prophecy has been fulfilled today and you're hearing and they get mad and they try to throw them off a cliff. That's, that's this same, same incident. This is just Mark's, uh, telling of it, which has some different details. And so I, I want to kind of cruise through it because there's a, there's a focal point that I want to get to here in a second, but let's just make sure we're on the same page about the setting. So Jesus goes back to his hometown, goes back to Nazareth. Uh, this was not a trip to see family because it says that his disciples went with him. So if his disciples were with him, that meant he was coming in his capacity as a rabbi. He was coming to teach. Uh, if he was just going to see family, he would have told the disciples to stay put, and he would go by himself. And so he comes, and uh, as was his custom, goes to synagogue, and they recognize him as a rabbi, ask him to teach. And so just like the the account in Luke, it starts off pretty positive. Like if you look at verse 2, um, says on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue and many heard him and were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Starts off really good. And, and then it shifts in verse three, it starts to get a little more like, and this is, this is derogatory uh, in a, in, in a way that maybe we wouldn't pick up on uh, reading it in, in English and not being Jewish. Says, so is not uh, this, the carpenter the son of Mary and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And aren't his sisters with us? What they're, they're kind of taking some, they're kind of like, well, this guy, like he's the carpenter, right? Like he's the, like that word is used in, uh, like across Greek literature to, to talk about craft, like craftsmen, like really skilled laborers. Uh, they're like, isn't that the guy that we bring all our broken stuff to? And he knows how to fix it? Like, isn't that, that's him, right? He looks, he looks a little older, but I think that's him. Um, isn't he like a working class guy? You know, like he's not like rabbis were not known for being hard workers. You know, so they were like, isn't he like more like sandpaper hands than like uh, aloe vera hands? You know, like, um, like, isn't he like a roughneck? What is this? Why would, why would a, why would the carpenter suddenly have all this spiritual wisdom in that for the rabbis? Who's he think he is? And then they, they say, uh, isn't, isn't that the son of Mary? Now, and we, we would pick up on that, like, yeah, Mary's mom, okay. But back then, they always referred to you by your father's name. And so to leave out Joseph on purpose is a bit of a cheap shot at the illegitimacy of his birth, the questionable nature uh, around this, all those circumstances, because um, Jesus, you know, being conceived by the Holy Spirit, all that, that kind of stuff. And so there's a little bit of controversy around his birth. And so that was kind of a like a a really passive aggressive jab at his upbringing. So they're like, uh, who's this guy I think he is? I mean, he's, he's, a, he's a craftsman and uh, his family lineage is quite questionable. And now he's going to come in here and tell us all these things about the kingdom of God. He's going to come in and tell us that he is the Messiah. I don't think, I don't think so. It says they took offense at him that word offense like that in, in the greek uh that's where we get our word scandal from it's what is ref- referred to like when you set a trap for an animal like that the spring mechanism like that's the like that's the same word here for uh like for take offense at him that's the same word as that thing that's, it they were ensnared by this they were they were entrapped by that they couldn't get past this hang up about who this guy is And about his past and his upbringing and his family. And here he is saying all this stuff. And so then it says they took offense at him. Uh, This was more than just like they didn't like what he was saying. They got really focused on the messenger. And they couldn't get past the messenger to hear the message that was being given. The very words of life he's bringing to them. And they were like, yeah, I don't really think I trust you very much because of your background. And so this is happening. And so Jesus says to them, um, look in verse, sorry, I'm getting my notes confused. Um, In verse four, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. Now he's kind of saying like, look, this is pretty common. And if you if you look at the Old Testament prophets, they they struggled in their homes hometowns as well. This is kind of a known thing. Um, and he's sort of telling them, "Hey, look, the relational tension among people—it's hard to get past, especially in your hometown where they they think they know you, they think they know everything about you, they think they know your family, they think they know whatever." And so he's not really like shrugging it off necessarily, but he's definitely like, "Look, I, this this thing that's happening is not that surprising." The sin has like pitted us against each other as people. We are not trusting of anyone ever. And so Jesus was like, yeah, it's, it's harder in your hometown to get a hearing. A prophet uh, elsewhere, like you can, you can be honored in different places, but you will not be honored in your hometown. It's normal. And then this this is where I really want to focus in on. Not that all that stuff isn't interesting and fascinating and important because it is. But for this morning, I want to zero in on this next part. Verse five, and he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them, and he marveled because of their unbelief that's what I want to focus on. I want to look at the relationship between god's activity and human faith now let's just let's just leave that that verse up there. He could do no good no mighty work there except lay his hands on a few people. He marveled because they're lack. Like, because of their unbelief. Now, this doesn't mean that he was unable to do it. Like this, this wasn't like a kryptonite moment where like he really wanted to, but he just like could not do it. He wasn't handcuffed. the The power hadn't gone out of him. He wasn't like, what's going on here? Like he, this was this was more of a could not um, because. Well, this exposes the true nature of God's work among us. It exposes the fact that God works in tandem with us his power and our faith work together. And so he could not because without faith, there's nothing to work with. Let me back up and say and say that again. Cause I really, I've struggled a lot with this, this sermon, not because I don't believe it, but it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to articulate it in such a way. And so let me say it, say it again. This isn't saying that he could not do it. Like was unable to do it it's saying that this isn't, this is not how it works. That God works in tandem with us. His power works with our faith. And when faith is not coming to the table, God is, has nothing to work with. Now, human nature makes us want to reduce this down to a formula. Like this, this verse, this, this concept. We really, we really like rules. And we like boundaries. And we like to know how things work. Even people who say they don't like rules and don't like boundaries, they like rules, they like boundaries. We all like to know how things work. And religion, especially some like Christian denominations, have reduced this down into like a formula. And it, you may, it may sound familiar to you, or sometimes they'll say, well, if you have faith, God will heal you. If you don't have faith, God will not heal you. It's like, okay, so you're not getting healed? Okay, that means you don't have enough faith. You need to have more faith so you can be healed. Oh, you were healed? Oh, you must have had a lot of faith. See, we, we, want it to be, we want it to become this, this equation. We want it to be this, this thing that we can control and understand and set into motion or stop from being into motion. That makes basically makes us God, which we really like to do because we think we're awesome at it. And Jesus is saying, no, that's not, not really how it works. But we'll get to that in a second. But it's such a dangerous thing to try to make it into a formula, some sort of system at leads to really bad theology, and we hear it all the time. It's like, oh, so you're not getting your way? Well, then you must not have enough faith. Just believe enough, and you'll get your way. If you like, if you tithe, you'll get rich. And what, so you've been tithing, you're not rich yet. Well, you must not have enough faith then. So keep tithing, maybe a little more than you have been, but you really need to increase your faith because if you're if you're tithing without faith, it's not really going to work. So keep. The, cause we want the money to keep coming in, and the faith part—that's on you, man. I'm sorry, you know. It becomes really dangerous. And this is where the prosperity gospel, this is where they get really get like, like into the human mind because, because they present this formula to you. And so you have these churches where they'll take three offerings in a service or people walk down the middle of the service and throw their money on the stage. You know, don't do that here, uh, please. Uh, and, and it's just the, it, this idea that, that we can control God's activity with us by all these kinds of things. And, and you just got to get the formula right. And the problem is it preaches really well. That's why there are are thousands and thousands and thousands of of, of people in churches that preach this and teach this and believe this all over the world. And they're frustrated. But they just keep being lied to because they're trying to boil this down to a formula. And this is not a formula. At the end of the day, all that is futile. Because we end up ignoring one of the fundamental truths about God that we have to keep in mind. That in his essence, God is a relationship. Father, son, spirit. Pure, 100% agape between the three of them. Absolute equality among them. Complete unity. Diversity in what they do. And how they function and how they care for creation and for each other. But there's an absolute oneness that, that, that is there. But that relationship, then, he, then we are created in his image. And so we are created in relationship. And so everything that God does is relational. So faith has to be seen as relational and not mechanical. It is absolutely about a relationship. It is not a formula. Now, you might be thinking, well, I know that already. Okay, good. Then stick with me. Hebrews eleven one gives a, a de- definition for faith that we're not going to put on the screen, but it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Okay, so faith is about, faith is about substance. Faith is about evidence. Faith is about proof. Uh, that verse is basically saying that I don't have to see it in order to be confident in it. I don't have to see God in order to be confident in him and things hoped for it's it's i can be have absolute assurance about the future that he has for me and it not be in this moment and yet i'm going to keep going in that direction like faith it, we're grounded in reality so we have these these beliefs we're saying i believe these things about god i believe these things about the scriptures i believe this is who he is and who i am and and what we're doing together as his people and where we're headed as his people all these things are there, and i i don't it doesn't have to be tangible in order for me to believe it. I can be confident in it right now and all of that is because this is about his character and his goodness and our trust in that. it isn't about the tangibles it isn't about the the the, the things that we don't have to like hold on to it and see it to, to understand it that that we are saying, "I trust that you are who you say you are." And, like we were singing, I am who you say I am. His character is trustworthy. And so, we are like a child who looks at their parents and says, You know what? Uh, I will eat my vegetables because you say they are good for me. I will brush my teeth because you say that is important to do. I will go to bed because you, as my parent, know that I need to rest. We're, we're, we're the trusting child who looks at their parent and and doesn't push back because we say i I trust that you know what you're doing now don't hold your kids to some like, crazy standard in this okay and don't think that you're a bad parent if your p- kids don't listen to you we're all broken we're all carrying it we're all dealing with it okay but when it comes to us and the Lord that that is what that is what our faith is is. That is the, that is the belief that they were not bringing to the table, but we come in so that they come to the table and they're like, I don't trust Jesus very much. Therefore, I don't want anything to do with him. And we come to the table and we're like, I trust everything about you. So let's do this, whatever it is, let's do it because faith is a relationship. It is, I it is a saying, I trust your character and your goodness to me. Now, faith has a sense of demonstration to it. It's, it's, those, it's that belief, but it's put, it's put into action, you know. So an example that people use sometimes that um, is like, okay, so you can have a chair. You can look at the chair. You can examine the chair. You can say, that chair will hold me up. I trust that chair. I believe that chair will hold me. Well, until you sit in it, like sitting in it, like that's an expression of your faith. You can stand back here all you want and say, I believe it. But until you sit in it, your faith is not demonstrated. Now that analogy comes up short when we're talking about this, because you don't have a relationship with a chair. You're not going to be like, I trust the character of that chair. I don't think that chair would hurt me. That chair will hurt you. You know, it just, it it has no feelings. It has no life. You don't have a relationship with that chair. But, but in order to say I, you really trust it, you have to sit in it. And so God comes to us as His people, and He says He gives us this this book, and says, "I'm going to tell you everything you need to know about Me. I want you to study it on your own. I want you to study it together. I want you to to do what this says, and um, I'll know that you trust Me when you do that." Jesus says, "Go when you pray. Go into your room. Close your door." pray to your father who's unseen so like prayer is this demonstration of our faith saying, I don't see you but I, I I am confident that you are there this book is not always easy to understand but it, these are the very words of life and so I'm going to study it you say to ask and to seek and to knock and so I'm going to persist with you and be honest with you about what like like where I am and what I, what I need, what I'm hoping for in my life. I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do those things. Even, even down to the tithe. Like the tithe is this incredible demonstration of faith where you're saying uh, the first 10% of what comes in or 10% or more is going to the church. And I believe that you will provide with the remaining money that's there that you'll help meet my needs and the needs of other people. Is this demonstration of our faith? And so here we are, we, we, he's given us these tangible ways to not only like grow and, and mature and deepen and walk together and all this kind of stuff, but he's given us these tangible ways to, to, in essence, sit in the chair, to show him this isn't just a belief that I'm keeping internally, that I'm kind of half in, half out on, uh, I believe you wholeheartedly. So here is my time, here is my uh like this is this is my money. These are my gifts. These are all the ways, these are demonstrations that I believe you are who you say you are. It is in that relationship in bringing that faith to the table that God has something to work with. He's working in tandem with us. He's like, "Yes, I can work with this." And even in the intangibles, like Like there are times when when you don't have like, I don't know, you open the Bible, that's tangible. You pray, that's tangible. You tithe, that's tangible. And then there are times when the only expression of faith is just you and him. And you're like, I'm just open-handed with with this situation. There's nothing more I can do. You just got to know my heart. And we express that to him. And all these things that he's given us, these are ways that we demonstrate our faith. And when we put all these things into practice, we show him that we trust his character and his goodness. And we give him a heart that's humble and he can work with it. The people in the synagogue that day, they just, they just didn't trust him. For whatever their reasons were, they're like, ah, I don't really trust you very much. And they missed, on, missed out on the mighty acts of God. And I think we have to learn from them. They fell into a trap. They got ensnared in some sort of set of beliefs that caused them to not trust the Lord. What we have to do is either not fall into the trap or help get, or get have some help getting out of that trap. Cuz there are times when we struggle to trust him too. And that's a that's a real like part of it's a part of walking through life. Sometimes it's easy to trust him when things are good and it's a little bit harder when things get difficult. And so how do we, like, how do we apply this, this idea that God is working in tandem with our faith, that we, that we have the, the faith is relational. It is, I love you. I trust you. You love me. Um, like it's, it's relational. It's not mechanical. How do we, how do, what do we do with that? How do we apply this? Well, the, I have three uh, two, three, three, let's say three things real quick. The first one is that the emphasis cannot be on the outcome. It has to be on our faith. Like the emphasis in this whole situation can't be on, uh, it can't we can't focus on whether we get our way or not. Because that's really up to the Lord, you know? What we can do though is we can dig into what we bring to the table. So if it's in, if it's two things working in tandem, it's his mighty work and our faith, we tend to focus on the mighty work and say, are you doing what I want you to do or not? Am I getting my way or am I not getting my way? And that can be a, a pure statement or an impure statement. Sometimes it's like, I really just, this is what I want. Please do this, you know? And other times we can be kind of demanding about it. But the focal point for us, like the emphasis in terms of like uh, this, like how am I processing my way through this thing? It can't just be, where, is, is he doing what I want or is he not doing what I want? For us, we have to say, am I bringing a, like a faith-filled heart and mind to the table or not? Like am I bringing him something that he then can work with? Or not. And so in your own life when you're thinking about it. It's very healthy to ask, seek, knock. Bring your needs to him. Tell him. Cast your burdens on him. Tell him what you want. That's great. But you cannot ignore the fact that you are bringing a a heart that either trusts him or doesn't trust him. Or it's kind of a mixture of the two. So. If we're going to emphasize faith, how do you do that when it deals with with other people? When you're praying for someone else's healing, someone else's restoration, someone else's recovery, someone else uh, someone else's salvation, it could be anything. Well, I would encourage you to pray for the outcome. Okay, pray that people get saved, pray that people get healed, pray that people are free from addiction, pray for, that people get rescued. I mean, whatever whatever it is, pray for outcome. But but also pray for faith pray that that their faith would be strengthened pray that they would bring to the table a heart that is trusting of god no matter what happens pray that if their faith would be strengthened Uh, speak words of life to them you use your gifts to strengthen their faith and also don't forget that we see times in the bible where jesus heals someone because of the faith of their friends because this humble heart that comes to the table. And so it doesn't even have to be necessarily the person that is struggling. Sometimes God sees our faith and we're bringing this to the table and saying, God, can you work with this? And he's like, yeah, I can, I can work with that. And so it, like, we cannot count out the fact that God is looking at the entire situation. He's responding to the entire situation. And so if it's for someone else strengthening their faith, praying for their faith, um, speaking those words of life is very important. And if it is for you, like if you're the one, and you're like, I, I need God, I need this mighty act of God in my life, to use the term in the verse, you have to do a gut check. We really have to come before the Lord and we have to ask, do I, like, do I really trust him? Am I like the other people we see in the first five chapters of Mark? Who saw Jesus, trusted him, believed his words, and, the, and the, like everything was, went great? Or are we more like these people in chapter 6 who are like, oh, I don't really know. We're going to fall into that trap. And, and only you can answer that question. I can't answer it for you. Do I really trust the Lord? How is that trust being demonstrated to him? Am I bringing him, like am I demonstrating that to him? Am I, am I bringing my whole life to him or not? Am I withholding? Am I trusting him in, in, with some areas and not other areas? Am I cooperating with him? Are, am I giving him something that we can work in tandem with? There's this guy in Mark chapter nine. Uh, by the time we get to this, you'll forget that I mentioned it today. So uh, I don't, at first I was like, ooh, that's in Mark two. I don't want to skip ahead, but i I'm, like, no, I'm gonna skip ahead. They'll, they'll forget. Mark nine twenty four. There's a guy who who brings his son to Jesus, wants him to heal him, and Jesus basically was like, uh, "Do you have faith?" And he says, "This, uh, I believe. Help my unbelief." I'm like, "That's pretty strong." He's like, "Yeah, I believe. Uh, mostly, most of me believes. Not all of me believes. Would you help the? Would you help me?" To fully believe, would you help my unbelief? We help the parts of me that are that are coming up short when it comes to really demonstrating my trust and faith in you. And we repent from the ways we're withholding, and we repent from that unbelief, and we turn and we become really humbly confident in who He is. And I think we get to the point where we're like, "Yeah, I really do. I, I absolutely believe Him." When we're focused on his work and not our faith, we get lopsided. When we're, when we're working on our own selves and we're bringing the table, whenever you are bringing faith to the table, you're okay with whatever he ends up doing. That's, that's the amazing part. Is that a heart that fully trusts him is really, you're like, you know, this is what I want you to do. This is the, my, the way I would like you to act. But if you do, choose to do it differently, okay. Because, because I trust you no matter what. So I trust you in victory and I trust you in defeat. I trust you in healing and I trust you in death. I trust you no matter what the outcome is. And so when we are bringing to the table this heart and mind that is humble and teachable and ready, then his mighty work can just become his mighty work. Glory to God, no matter what. It's well in my soul, no matter what. And that's who, that's who I, I want to be. I'm not that person all the time. I think there are times when I get there. I really do. And I think there are times when you get there too. But I'll definitely admit there, that's not, that's not my default way at this point in my discipleship. Um, so that whole prayer of I believe, help my unbelief, that's a regular thing for me. And that's not a, that's not a cop-out, you know, because I like help my unbelief and get me to the point where there is no unbelief. There's just Belief. There's just faith that I just trust you to be who you say you are. with the assurance of things hoped for, there's confidence in the things that are unseen, that I'm bringing a heart that t- works in tandem with the mighty acts of God for my transformation, for our transformation, to bless the world in whatever ways that he wants to through my life, through your life, through our lives together. And then it says, Jesus just went on, he was like, all right, I'm going to the next town. But Jesus is constantly saying, let's do this and let's do this together. And I don't know where it fits into where you are, but I can tell you that Jesus wants to do mighty acts in our lives. Now, it could be something that you deem as mighty or it could be something that you deem as like, just kind of a small thing that would be nice. It's almighty to him. It's all His mighty power at work, whether it's something big, something small, whatever it is. And so, my encouragement to us today would would be to ask Him what we like. What might He actually want to see Him do? But to really work ourselves through kind of a gut check and just say, "Do, do I really trust Him?" And to have the courage to say, "Will You help my unbelief?" And if there are things about Jesus that make you not trust Him. You know, he can handle it if you tell him. You can say, I don't don't find you trustworthy, and this is why. He's not going to get his feelings hurt and run away from you or anything like that. Um, He would still, like, say, okay, come closer and tell me more. That's what he does with us. And so in our response time, you know, there's kind of four different things that we do. And if you're here every week and you kind of hear us go through this cadence, don't, you know, don't let it be too routine every Sunday, really, you have, you have to come before the Lord and say, how, how do I feel led to respond right now? What's the response that's going to express that faith to the Lord the most? And so we have communion. We'll serve communion. And if you think about Jesus offering his body and blood to you, and he's saying, let's do some mighty works together. Taking communion is an act of faith. It's one of those tangibles for us, the bread and the juice, the getting in line together, all that stuff. And so you're welcome in our communion line. If, you, uh, if you're a follower of, of Christ and you want, uh, you don't have to be a member of this church, but if you want what he is offering to you and himself and taking communion would help you solidify some things, you're welcome to come down. This is the kind where you take the bread and you dip it in the cup. Um, you can come here and pray at the steps. And uh, we'll have a few of our ministers here at the front that would, would pray with you if you just want someone to pray over you. Um, you can give uh, financially, you can tithe on these corners over here, or you can stand and sing or any mixture of those things but let 's uh, let 's stand together and pray. God, I'm thankful that uh, we have passages like this, and that we are able to to see the just that human side of Jesus, um, to be reminded that he had a family, he had a hometown, he had a reputation uh, that he um, was rejected and knew how to deal with it, and yet he was obedient and. Uh, he was not deterred from what he had in front of him. And Lord, we don't want to be like this crowd who just couldn't get past certain things. And so I pray in these moments, you'd help us all to really think through our own our own faith and trust in you, to ask ourselves those questions. And that the man in Mark 9... His words would not be forgotten, especially if that's helpful to anyone here. That we believe and we need help with our unbelief. I'm thankful, God, that faith is a relationship. I'm thankful that it's not a formula. I don't want to give my life to a formula. I don't want to live forever with a formula. This is just an expression of our love and trust to you. So as we respond in these different ways, would you help connect the dots, help us to do business with you and whatever whatever that means for us, that we can be ready to, uh, to leave this place full and um, with everything intact that you want for us. We love you. and pray this in your name. Amen. All right. Our uh, tables are open. You can come whenever you're ready.